Welcome everybody to another episode of 141 Presents Old Mansion. I'm Connor and I'm Teddy and we are here to launch the first ever Christmas edition of 141 Presents. So you'll be hearing or Old Mansion. You'll be hearing this on Christmas Day and hopefully it's the perfect thing for post Christmas dinner. Merry Christmas, Connor. Merry Christmas, Teddy. <laughs> it is uh, it is a very merry Christmas Eve in Melbourne. It's way too hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful... I was chatting to a German friend who's out here celebrating Christmas, and he was saying, man, it's so weird. It's like two days before Christmas, and I'm sweating. I'm like, dude, that's the only way to do Christmas. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I don't think I've ever done white Christmas. Like, I've done cold Christmas. Yeah. I did a cold Christmas in Europe, but it didn't snow. Didn't get white. You know? Like, I'm a... I wonder if it's funny that we celebrate, when we sing a lot of Christmas carols here in Australia, like, a lot of them are about snow and stuff like that. Mm. And we still get it, we still enjoy it. Yeah. But it never does quite add up. However, I actually personally love listening to like "Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow" when it's like forty degrees outside. <laughs> I really hate like the bastardization of like Aussie Christmas carols, like you know that uh, the one that's like Jingle Bells, but it's all Aussie style. It's yeah, like, exactly. Holden Utes, and yeah, stuff. yeah, dashing through the bush in a in a rusty Holden Ute. That's yeah, right. yeah, not a fan of that. Yeah, not a fan of that at all. I don't get you. It, uh, it, it plays into some uh, into some stereotypes, you know. <laughs> I'd rather sing that genuine like Christmas joy shit, even though <laughs> like I jingle bells, that genuine Christmas cheer. Yeah, exactly. Even though you know what, I, I saw this thing recently, and yeah. I've been listening to a lot of music, and I found that it's mm. true that Christmas songs yeah. are sad. They're really, mm. really sad. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Sad. Wow. Why Christmas? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. Whoa. Wow. What else is sad? Um, oh, like... Uh, we Three Kings is kind of sad. It is kind of sad. Silent Nights, very sad. Yeah. Ooh, wow, I had no idea. Yeah, they're actually not that uplifting. Man, that sucks. I mean, like some of the big bombastic, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing... Oh yeah, you know, course. like that's huge. That's a big happy. Oh, Christ happy the Savior is born. I suppose is yeah. not, that's not very sad at all. Not very sad at all. Oh, but but all, all these modern like all these modern like pop songs like Last Christmas by Wham is so sad, man. It's a really sad. Like song. he gave her, he gave her very his heart, and the very day. next day, oh yeah, dude, he I'm gave gonna, it away. You dude, know, I'm gonna chuck that in the playlist for later. I love that song. I'm sorry, Chris Isaac, you're out. Yeah. It's all about wham now. Exactly. Well, it's a classic. It is like, it is honestly, out of all of the oversaturated Christmas songs that yeah. we get every year, that is my favourite. Do you know when I was in primary school and you know, we always have like the last day of class, which is around this time of year, uh, our teacher would come on and play a Christmas album and she would just loop Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> so for a while, that was my like iconic Christmas jingle, like the ultimate pop Christmas carol. Yeah, no, it is... Um, and yeah, it deserves that. It deserves yeah, it that. Like, so like Wham as a group, like yeah. pre-George Michael Wham, did like a few things that were very good. Yeah. But Last Christmas is definitely... But there is pre-George Michael Wham. Yeah. So George Michael sings Last Christmas, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. No, but but I mean like pre-solo career, you know? Like oh. George, George Michael was definitely the talented one out of... Oh, I thought you meant like Wham before George Michael. No, 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 no. I, all, who, all, all I'm trying to say... that be, that other guy? Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Wakeley, I think his name is. I think. I think. <laughs> How the fuck do you know Exactly. That? Well, I'm saying I think, you know, I could be wrong because honestly, I've never given it that much thought. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I mean, they only made two albums, but Last Christmas is definitely... Really? Like, uh, I think they made two studio albums. And then Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Which is on, um, which is on an album that isn't called... Jitterbug or something. Yeah, it's like their first album, I'm pretty sure. Oh, but no, they were very short-lived. But last Christmas endures every year, you know, always pops up on the charts. It's funny to see which artists, by the way, these days release Christmas albums. 
Like it's no, it's very. I feel like they're things that are done few and far between. Yeah. The very last like mainstream Christmas album that I can remember really being pushed is like. Oh, actually no. There's a new one by this guy who does Nat King Cole Christmas songs. But this one, Rod Stewart, "Merry Christmas, Baby." Oh, yeah. Like that classic style where they get a bunch of features on it and stuff. They got CeeLo Green on it. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. That is one of the corniest albums I think I've. And CeeLo Green has made his own Christmas album as well. Really? Yeah, in 2013, he made a Christmas album. Dude, uh, CM made one this year, which was apparently very bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Sufjan hasn't made one in a while, but he's... We'll be talking about those yes, a bit later. Yes, we'll be talking the, about those a bit later. He's been known to make lots. Well, before we get into discussing the, the Christmas album time, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a few things. Uh, one thing we've got to talk about is this band launch that happened a couple of weeks ago. The one-for-one one Mr. Savage band launch. What... A good night that was, mate. That was an amazing. <laughs> night. I, I want. I want to congratulate you on a fantastic performance, dude. I think that everybody who came was a legend. I thought the set went down really well. Everybody listened, had a great dance uh, vibe afterwards. Songs like went off without a hitch, and three four. The DJ we had playing afterwards absolutely killed it. It was such a cool house party vibe. Again, if anybody wants to come to the next uh, session that One for One presents. Just shoot us a message and we'll uh, we'll make sure you're in the loop. Exactly. We'll loop you in. Alternatively, yeah. uh, you know, go like 141. We'll yeah. try and keep uh, all people who who are fans of what we're doing in the loop. And, and we'll this, try incredibly, to get this incredibly talented guy, Connor, here, put together an awesome video that pretty much encapsulates the whole night. So if you head to the 141 website, you'll be able to check that out. Great photos and a great, just a summary video. Because I was thinking, you know what was so good about that video? It goes for like 14 minutes but it totally gives you an entrance into what the night was like. Mm. It really does show you like the party vibe that was there, the type of songs we were playing, and gives you a full taste. So it wasn't just Mr. Savage playing. We had uh, my two other brothers come up and feature. We had Small Town Alien. Your, your dad made an appearance? Dad played a song. That was really cool. Harry got up. Harry got up and made a, and played one of his new songs. David Dow on keys? David for... Dow came featured on keys. And Ramsey... Played Melbourne and Millennials. I thought he absolutely killed it. And yeah, the crew here was just sick. Nick Cave's nephew was here apparently. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> we, were, we we had some clout. It was a big night, and by all accounts, I've only heard people say good things about it. Yeah. So you know, looking forward to making this a more frequent thing. Looking forward to making this something that'll happen again. Exactly. And where we want to go with Mr. Savage, I'm not sure where what will happen with it. Like we really enjoyed the gig. We're going to play a few more. Uh, we sort of used that. It was funny having that sort of set a deadline for us to get our shit together, make some songs, and really fucking like put some good stuff together. That was interesting because it's the first time Sam and I have ever really worked just us, like writing songs together. And obviously, no one expected it to be easy, but I really found it interesting, like having to put stuff together for a deadline. Like, do you find that you are creative? Like, you know, you're writing stuff. Are you more productive when you give yourself a deadline? when you're just writing out of interest I think it's a deadline I think a deadline always helps really do you reckon it forces like creativity like can you force it or have you got to wait for like that natural inspiration well it's that's a good question I mean if you want to be a creative kind of person you want to be you want to work in creativity then you have to be able to force yourself to do something really Um, because Ben Foles has got this song called One Down and 2.6 to go right and it's written about his first uh recording contract that he got in Australia because he lived in Adelaide for a while Mm. and apparently the way recording contracts work is that you get um, a quota of the amount of songs you need to write every month and for some reason it worked out that it was like 3.6 songs so it was like a two year contract I want to say over 20 months and it needed to have something like 60 to 70 songs written 
over the course of like 20 months. Yeah. Wow. Which you think is a lot, but also not that much. Yeah. You can spend a week on every song. Yeah. So you get 3.6 songs a month is essentially what he had to pump out. Hmm. And I do not get that. Like, I think it's weird saying, all right, I need a song by the end of the week. Go. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, I think deadlines work in different ways. And that kind of deadline doesn't sound like it's too, uh, hmm. too conducive to creativity. Yeah. But I think it's always good to be goal-oriented, you know, and to, yeah, have like, to have like a time that you want to complete something by. Because I know that if I don't have that, I just kind of spiral out of control. Yeah. And I'll either spend too much time on something or I'll just get stuck. And if I get stuck on it, then I'll spend as much time as it needs until it's done. And that'll be a long time. And then you think when you start to really focus on creative stuff, like that becomes what your main gig is. Do you think your mentality towards it changes? For instance, I talked to Harry, my eldest brother, about songwriting. And for him, it's kind of like, you know, you have the first bit of success. You come out with an album. People like it. You know, he got signed... And then the second part after that became a lot... Well, it's not necessarily harder. It's just very different because mm-hmm. you're comparing it to your first efforts. And then you're trying to suddenly force something that naturally sort of came to you in the first place. It's kind of the difference between like just writing songs for the fun of it and writing songs because mm-hmm. you absolutely need to. Yeah. How do you find you deal with that? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like writing for the fun of it a lot more. And I think, yeah. that's, I think that's where your heart is. I mean, I think that's... Interesting idea. It's like, yeah. why do so many artists have brilliant debuts but poor follow-ups? And why yeah. do so many artists flourish in a studio system? You know, why yeah. do so many artists flourish under contract good point. and get better? And I think it's because they approach their work differently. And mm. maybe some people find that once they are signed, the constraints that they're given are conducive to the way that they work. But when you think about someone like The Killers, for instance, yeah. who you know made like a brilliant first album because there really wasn't that expectation. There. Yeah. And then struggled to replicate that kind of success ever yeah. since. Is that the first album that's got all those hits on it? Uh, well, yeah, Mr. Brightside's on it. Yeah. Uh, Somebody told me. Yeah, that's that one's that, on it. That's that album. And what about the other one that's like, um, I got soul, but I'm yep. not a soul. Same album. Oh, fuck, that's uh, all, the, all these things I've done. Yeah, all it is a brilliant album. What about Sawdust, though? Is that a bad album? Well, Sawdust isn't really an album as much as it's a collection of B-sides. It's like a compilation album. Yeah, okay. Sawdust is the, um, is the one that doesn't particularly count as a studio album. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. And weirdly enough, like, you see the same trend happen in business a lot as well. Like, you've got these leaders of startups who do work so hard to get their startup up there, but then like once you're at the top and suddenly doing really well, it becomes a whole other set of challenges that you've got to deal with. Mm. Like, you think that just by like working really hard to like get to a certain level of success, like you've suddenly made it. But what it seems like is that once you've made it, like you haven't made it at all. You're just at the next level yeah. of just like shit you have to deal with exactly it's just like a boss battle you're just fighting you're just fighting strong <laughs> enemies at that point you know you gotta fight you gotta life adapt hard. life's hard dude. man life is hard life is hard creatively life is hard in every single aspect what a shit message to send out at Christmas time what a real mate shit have, have you seen the songs we're putting on this playlist they're all about <laughs> oh, how hard and life is I hope you're excited this is looking like I've been looking through the Christmas playlist on Spotify and, like, I just am not a fan of a lot of them. I way prefer this one. <laughs> so, listen, look for the Old Mansion Christmas playlist. Exactly. It's going to... It'll knock your festive socks off. <laughs> Out of doubt. All right. Uh, it's time to break down our Christmas albums. Uh, not necessarily of the week, but of, like, all time. Um, now, there are two albums that we have chosen. One of which... Uh, I only discovered very recently, but I've absolutely been in love with and haven't stopped listening to. 
And Connor's got another one, which is, again, a bit of out of left field. Like, you'd think that Christmas albums, people go for the quite the normal ones, but there are actually a lot to choose from. There are. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think I like a lot about Christmas albums, I think the hard thing to do about a Christmas album is that you've got to capture the festive season, but it's so easy to become gimmicky. Mm. Like, if you just do Christmas carol covers, it's like, yeah, okay, that's cool, and maybe it'll come around every single year. But, it, it, like, you can really nail it. It is a chance to capture, like, a range of emotions during it's, Christmas time. Exactly. And I think I think Christmas albums suffer from that affiliation with being with selling out, you know? Yeah. Like, you get people such as, like, as you said before, Rod Stewart, yeah. who are... Merry who Christmas, brilliant, baby! <laughs> who are brilliant artists, but they're well beyond their, well beyond their prime. Yeah. And, you know, they'll come Merry out... Christmas, baby, is a shit album. Yeah, exactly. Album. But that's what you do, you know? You come out with a Christmas album, and the audience that's now a lot older is like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a crack, like, you know, like Christmas carols. Or you've got someone like Michael Bublé, who, like, effectively, oh, effectively feeds Michael. his family on, on the profits <laughs> of his Christmas album. Uh, yeah. exactly. He is the king of carols, that guy. Every single year. It's like after November 25th, after Thanksgiving, everyone says, all right, we can now listen to Michael Bublé. Yeah. Up until... What time do you reckon Christmas albums like stop being cool? Like You just can't keep playing them. After probably New Year's? Like, um, yeah, probably like after New Year's, I reckon. That's a good, after Old like, Lang Syne. Yeah, a good, a good grace period. But yeah. I mean, I was hearing... Um, I first heard... Uh, I first heard uh, All I Want For Christmas Is You on the radio at oh. the beginning of November because we don't wow. have Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it was immediately after Halloween ended. It was Christmas go time. Wow. Like, and, and God, that, that is such a good song though. It is, it is such a good song, it's but like, such it's a such song. a good song that has suffered from its popularity. Like, man, I am over that song. Yeah, and I've never really gotten around Mariah Carey. Like, like, I never understood why she's such a big deal. Yeah. But damn it, that song is good. You cannot, like, you know, when, especially at the end of Love Actually, when they they play it, and yeah. you get that kid who plays Paul McCartney later in life, uh, he's just a bloody mad. Oh, just that song is so just Merry Christmas. It is. It is a very good oh. original Christmas song. You know, like if you were going to write yeah. a song that was that was new and Christmassy, it strikes the tone between like traditional mm. and just like pop contagiousness. You know, it's interesting that there aren't any other holiday albums. There's no Easter albums. Yeah, or no. Maybe there are Hanukkah albums, mate. Maybe we just don't know them. Yeah, well, we wouldn't, I don't think. You know, I wonder if there's any, like... Yeah, if I'm going to look that up, Hanukkah albums. Who would make a Hanukkah album? <laughs> uh, are there Ramadan albums? Are there, um... What's the Muslim holiday this time of year? But no Easter albums. In fact, I'm going to look that up. Are there any Easter albums? Well, well what is Jesus the... dying. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to take on. No. Uh, it's just Easter eggs and albums. Oh, okay, here we go. Easter albums. Let's see. This is a band called Easter. Okay, yeah, alright, done. Yeah. <laughs> by bank. What a shit name for it, man. Exactly. Um, well, they were playing on it, man. They got you, you know? You looked yeah. up Easter albums and you found out that Easter is a band from Germany. Exactly. But so, please, what's your, what's your Christmas album? So, what I look for in a Christmas album is I do love crafty covers of Christmas carols because mm. things that you can play in the background when Christmas is happening or stuff that you're just like listening to to get into the mood of Christmas time. I mean, I actually don't mind listening to Christmas carols when it's not Christmas. Like, I will routinely put someone in, like, May or June or something just to, like, get a vibe. Because they are... You're right, sometimes they're very sad, but other times they're very happy and just, like, associated with that joyous occasion. Mm. But it's almost because Christmas is meant to be such a happy time. Like, it makes a lot of people sad. My dad used to work in a hospital on Christmas Day and said that, like, number one day for suicides and, like, horrible deaths and, like, you know, self-harm and stuff all came around Christmas time. Yeah. Because there is that, I mean... You don't want to be alone. This is very, very deep territory for a music podcast, but yeah, it's the whole idea of it's such a nice time to be alive that like, if you're not having a very Merry Christmas, then suddenly there must be something wrong with you. But anyway, we'll move on. 
So, the album that I want to talk about today is by one of my favourite bands, Arcade Fire. Um, so, Montreal-based. I heard them described as Baroque pop. And I was like, that is... I've never heard that description before, but I don't mind it. Yeah. So, they're from Montreal. Like Obviously, like they do many songs in, like in French as well as English. They're pretty big in France as well. I love them. I love these guys. They came out with an album this year called Everything Now, which I have really dug. I reckon it's one of the best albums of the year, but Connor's probably the guy to talk to if you want to discuss albums of the year. Uh, but they have a hidden EP that I found online called A Very Arcade Xmas. And what it was is that in 2002, they played a Christmas party, like just a jam. And you can tell half of them are drunk, but the piano playing is great. The voice is clear. It's awesome. And they have some ferocious glockenspiel. Like glockenspiel is everywhere. And they got drunk and played for their friends, recorded it, and then distributed the album to all their friends next year. And then it just sort of got sent out as like this unofficial Arcade Fire EP. So it's nowhere online. You can't find them on Spotify. You just have to find it on YouTube. But it is really cool. Best song is definitely the Christmas song. So like, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at my nose. It kind of sounds drunk, but I love that guy's voice from Arcade Fire. Yeah. And... Uh, it's just a lot of fun to listen to. I've listened to like, there's like six tracks on it. I think most of them are on YouTube. They only go for like two or three minutes at a time. You can mm-hmm. tell it's a lot of fun and just an extended jam. So nice. Yeah, yeah a very yeah. arcade Xmas. Oh, I'll check it out, definitely. Uh, love some some bootleg drunken jam Christmas albums. <laughs> it's, it's how Christmas is meant to be experienced, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, interestingly, talking about distributing albums to friends, that yeah. actually ties into my, my album. Yeah, which is uh, a Sufjan Stevens album called Songs for Christmas which uh, those who really know about Sufjan will probably have realised that he has a really strange amount of Christmas EPs yeah um, dude also strange fact about Sufjan I heard a cover of him doing Hotline Bling the other day yes I did not expect that it's I would live. not have bet that in a million years that he would cover Hotline Bling it was really weird yeah it's him <laughs> and um oh and that the- chick that um uh, no, I know. Oh, yes, okay, yes, but uh, it's it's on the new live album from this year. Uh, yeah, carrying a lot and it is actually, actually pretty good. Like you know, it's, it's very different. It's it very is. Sufjan. He's a he's a very different kind of guy, and yeah, Galant. Galant, that's right. Yeah, and it's uh, that's epitomised for so- on this album, "Songs for Christmas," which is a box set of five separate EPs yeah. that he recorded for family and friends between two thousand and one and two thousand and six, and just sent it out. And sent it out. The, the one year he didn't record one which was in 2004, which yeah. was when he was too busy recording Illinois wow. to, to actually have a Christmas EP. But he eventually... Great do it. It is. And he eventually, made it, um, he eventually made it available to everyone in 2006, yeah. November 21st. And um, it's just a very, very big album. Because, you know, it's a bunch of EPs. So, yeah. so it's what? How many tracks? Uh, I actually can't see it at the moment, but it's 123 minutes long. So it's oh, yeah. a lot of Christmas stuff, yeah. a lot of some originals that he's written. Oh, he, he released a follow-up to that album in, uh, in 2012, which was uh, four more volumes yeah. of, of Christmas EPs, another 58 original and traditional songs, yeah. uh, including one of my favourite Sufjan covers, who is a man who does covers very well. Yeah. He, uh, he covered Alphabet Street by Prince, yeah. which I was talking about before, and I'm yeah. sure that I've shown you which I think is really Beautiful. impressive. It's up there with his uh, Ring Them Bells cover. 
Oh, which is a terrific, beautiful, terrific beautiful Dylan color. version. But yeah, no, I think I'm not a very festive person. Uh, admittedly, I'm not. I don't get into the Christmas spirit. Yeah. You know, I think when people say that we're in between that point where you know you're a kid and you love Christmas, right. and then you're a parent and you love Christmas. But in the middle, there's really nothing to be Christmassy about. I'm amazed that I haven't really listened to many Christmas carols. I haven't really heard many Christmas carols so far in the build-up. I mean, I've been doing stuff, but mm. haven't really gotten into the spirit of it too much. Did my Christmas shopping today, Christmas Eve day. So uh, I'm obviously a little bit behind. But there's still something I love about Christmas. I mean, like, it's still... Maybe it's just time off, but yeah, <laughs> it is exactly. great to just have, you know, your family in one place and just a holiday that all of society sort of says, yeah, look... Whatever your religious affiliations are, let's just chill around this time. Yeah, exactly. It is It is kind of nice, that, that hegemony that you get, you know, that yeah. whole, like, uh, everybody's in on this together. And yeah. I think last year, in fact, when we did Christmas last year up at Wilkes Street yeah. uh, with all of our friends, yeah. we, we, we weren't there, were you? Where was this? This was uh, Sam... Me no, this when, this when Sam leaves his chest hair on fire. That's yeah. a good story. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, no. That, <laughs> how you doing? That was my um. That was my last. Uh, that was last Christmas. And yeah. yeah, no, that was fantastic. I think I'm. Why did he light his chest hair on fire? Um, I arrived just after he'd done it, but I saw the video. Chest uh, hair roasting on open fire. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, maybe he was just getting too into the spirit of Christmas, but maybe he was just being... Um, Sam Cook. Exactly, maybe he was... <laughs> I shouldn't say his full name. Yeah, oh no. Oh, if any employers listen to this, <laughs> into this podcast, Sam, your job, your job opportunities are gone. Yeah. I definitely won't put your name as a tag on this podcast. <laughs> I reckon that if I saw Sam Cook, if I saw this, uh, I had Sam Cook's resume and said, hey, I've lit my chest on fire and I'm still able to tell the story. I think I would honestly respect that. I'd be like, this guy is willing to do anything. He's nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he was willing to go above and beyond for, uh, maybe not for the company, but for some reason. (laughs) There's there's something that drove him to do that and that's what you want to tap. You're like, you know, he doesn't do things by halves and you have to damn well respect that. Yeah, 100%, without a doubt. Uh, Okay, I think it is time to drop the hottest Christmas playlist of all time. Mate, I am ready. And I'm really excited to talk about a few of these songs because a lot of them have got different, uh, obviously, like different sort of meanings and different kind of uh, approaches to Christmas time. Um, so again, like we said, some of them are sad, some of them are happy, all of them are just beautiful and all kind of capture, I suppose, the range of emotions you feel at Christmas time. Um, but I'll start it off. I have to admit, like I know it's like a, a typical song that always comes out around Christmas time, but when I first heard this song, when I, I remember I was like eight years old at some Christmas carol thing, absolutely loved it it's John Lennon Yoko Ono Happy Xmas such war is over like just a beautiful song written about a tumultuous time that came out um, and really hit the nail on the head I think you know my parents talked about this song coming out and it was just played everywhere really summed up how everybody was feeling um yeah, I don't know everyone talks about Yoko Ono as being a bit of a crazy bitch and really kind of ruining the Beatles I don't know if that's true or not but John Lennon obviously really loved her and they made some cool art. Exactly. They did make some cool art. Uh, that was yeah. the same year they produced that. was the year they stayed in bed for like a month, wasn't it? Yeah. They Protesting were, the Vietnam War. Yeah, trying to get peace. Good stuff. Yeah, what do you think about that? What do you mean? Like staying in bed for a month. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the gesture. I think yeah. like I think John Lennon is a legend and seen as a legend in a you know, person who advocated for peace. Yeah. Because he did it very well. Like, he used his talents to advocate for peace. Yeah. And the staying in bed thing was just, uh, was, you know, when I think about it, one of the, at the time, it must have been one of the most ingenious uses of celebrity culture that had happened so far, you know? 
Yeah. Like, like what an interesting state, what an interesting way to make a statement. And, you know, we're talking about it today. Yeah. Whereas I reckon if he came out and said, I don't like the Vietnam War, we wouldn't be talking about it quite as much. The, yeah, fact, true. the fact that he decided to stay in bed for a month was... Um, and he invited paparazzi to take photos of him and Yoko in bed. Like, yeah. That is actually pretty cool. Exactly. He, he definitely knew how to play that celebrity culture a bit in order to achieve some noble... Or try and achieve some noble aims. And you really like that when celebrities know how to play the game in order to get what they want. Mm. I like and sort of raise awareness. Like I was watching that Princess Diana documentary on Netflix. Yeah. I didn't realise that she walked across an active minefield in Vietnam to try and raise awareness for like oh in Cambodia to raise awareness for uh, what was going on there I like didn't know that, that was that was there that's crazy Princess Di walked across an active minefield where there were still landmines settled there and yeah. like the whole world was watching it that's insane because like she could have fucking been stepped exploded on, yeah, could have stepped on a landmine <laughs> it's a, uh, which isn't always the, uh, the best bad I that just, is I bad that this year anyway yeah, no. All right, what's your second song for this playlist? Well, my song, my uh, my first contribution is uh, I was it came out to the wire with Coldplay yeah. because like they've done, they've done a couple of Christmas songs, and yeah. I do think that um, their 2001 version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Christmas. is a really a really good cover. I think it's yeah. just Chris Martin piano. It was released yeah. to their fan club yeah. the year they sent it out to their fan club the year that uh, Parachutes came out. So it was like oh. a really early online offering. We but listened um, to Parachutes, by the way, the other day, Connor and I had the final of it. Great album. Just a great yeah, um, album. It's, it's been too long since I've really revisited it. I know. Like, beautiful. They're one of those bands called Play that, I reckon, like, that were just big when we were teenagers. And now they're still big, but everyone's sort of like, oh, man. Like, yeah. Sure. But you go back and listen to Parachutes and, and you listen like, to Rush of Blood and you're oh, like, wow, I remember why this is so oh, great, you know? Yeah. But yeah. the song I've gone with is, uh, is probably, I think, the last, the, like the very end of their... Yeah. Really good period. Yeah. Uh, Christmas lights oh, came out in twenty ten. Uh, really beautiful song. song. Really sad song. Yeah, uh, sad. But, uh, just yeah, I think it's a beautiful original song about Christmas. Great it, music video as well. Yes, it has uh, Simon Pegg in it as well. Really? Yeah. The, there's three Elvises yeah. on the stage. One of them Simon Pegg, and one yeah. of them is uh, Frost. Oh, Nick Frost. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It is. Yeah. Um, but no, great music video, great, um, great song, you know, like right at the end of that Viva La Vida period. Uh, Beautiful piano. Oh, great song. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to that. Exactly. That is a very good song. That is a song that always gets me in the mood for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so the second song, Aussie song, second time in a row this artist has been on our playlist as well. Uh, it's just a classic Aussie Christmas anthem, How to Make Gravy, Paul Kelly. It's a beautiful, well put together song about... A guy in jail writing a letter to his family, um, and the whole idea is that you know he's telling them the the gravy recipe because he's not going to be there, mm. be able to hang with his family and make the gravy for the roast. I love it; just really captures a beautiful emotion about about Christmas. So, yeah, Paul Kelly is nothing Paul if Kelly. not a gravy. A really, really good songwriter, isn't he? Beautiful, beautiful that, and that is an Australian classic. Yeah. Like, like I think I Same. see more. I think I see more people talk about that than I do actually hear it. Like, really? Yeah, like on Facebook, I just see a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people really go on how good is Paul Kelly? Yeah, dude, how exactly. good is how to make great <laughs> specifically? The thing is that, like, uh, when I see, like, we play a lot of gigs around this time of year. Literally, everybody's playing it. It's like everyone does a cover of it because it's like such a good song. It's like such a huge build, and the drum track in this. I don't, like the drummer in it is the guy who plays in the same Paul Kelly track as last week. Tasty as drum groove. Like, there's this thing in like drumming subculture where it's like, 
how can you work in the tastiest drums into like a simple sort of pop song? <laughs> so like the song, like one song that constantly comes up is A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. That has some of the tastiest drumming ever. Like so many cool feels and stuff in that. How to Make Gravy is another one that's just like known amongst drummers as like having this tasty as just groove and huge fills. But nobody knows like yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. They've stuck, they've stuck him in there. They've, I love they've it. Quietly made it into a, a, a drum a drum track. Gotta love Christmas. <laughs> well, my next song. Yeah. Uh, I just said that uh, I'm partial to Coldplay's "Have yeah. Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," but I do think that the greatest version of it is still the original, yeah. which is um, from a musical called "Meet Me in St. Louis" mm-hmm. in the 30s. It was sung by the great late Judy Garland. Yeah. Um, just a really beautiful song. Was and Judy Garland the first person to sing that song? Yes, it was, she was in the uh, in the musical, in the movie musical that came out. Uh, she did the original version of that, and you know Judy Garland, everyone knows, has a beautiful voice. Oh. But now that it's such a pervasive song, it yeah. almost feels like it's a traditional. You know, it almost feels like it almost feels like nobody wrote it, and yeah. it's always existed, and people just cover it. But yeah, really worth if you haven't done so already, seeking out the original Judy Garland version. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It is yeah. a beautiful song, and you know that doesn't really need to be reiterated. Yeah, uh, worth checking out. Nice. Um, my next song, absolute classic, doesn't really need much of an explanation. "Let It Snow" by Frank Sinatra. Uh, you know, Frank Sinatra is sort of what Michael Bublé is trying to be, I suppose, in terms of like a staple Christmas album guy. But absolutely, just well put together, classic Frank Sinatra jazz, and you just get. I know, the thing I love about Sinatra is like, some people hate it, me, I love it, how just relaxed and just calm he is all the time. Mm. Let us know, it legit just sounds like he's singing in your ear, just like saying, hey dude, just chill out. <laughs> he <laughs> is, he's know. a very laid back character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song is just well put together, great band track. His band was actually so tight. All mm. done in one take as well, so. Yeah, damn. You can't fault him. Exactly. You cannot fault him. The man's got chops, you yeah. Know? Uh, you'd find few that would argue that. But um, my next song is a bit of a, a bit of a deep cut yeah. from Oof. Prince and the Revolution. It's yeah. called Another Lonely Christmas, and it's the B-side to I Would Die For You, which is, uh, you know, Off Purple Rain. Yeah. It's in the film. Uh, another Lonely Christmas is another sad song about Christmas. <sighs> uh, it's, it's, about, uh, it's about death, and it's about being alone, obviously. And yeah, no, I think there's um there are a few things, there are a few times that Prince ever went wrong with his songwriting. I mean, yeah. you know, he is one of the greats, and we I've spoken about him a bit on this podcast uh, throughout the weeks. And yeah, I think this is his sole Christmas song, like the only song of his that is specifically about Christmas. Yeah, is this one. And yeah, um, does it have sleigh bells in it? Uh, I don't think it does. <sighs> I don't think we've got any sleigh bells in this. So I feel like maybe that should be next Christmas. What we'll do the the, the criteria. For being in the Christmas players has to have sleigh bells at some Exactly, point. sleigh bells <laughs> instrumentation in there, you know? Like, I reckon that's a fair call. And if we are talking about sleigh bells, then one song that does not overdo it, but definitely does not underdo it, Christmas in Hollis, Run DMC. Damn. Okay, so it's about the neighbourhood that they grew up in, like, just the sick beat and them rapping about how... Again, it's really sad, sort of saying, I mean, Christmas is hard, and there's these, like, you know, talking about the neighbourhood there... It's insane. I feel like... I don't know whether you think Run DMC have kind of been forgotten a little bit. But they were cool. Like, they were, mm. like, the biggest band in the world at some stage. The biggest, like, rap trio. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, in that whole, like, you know, that 80s, like, hip-hop sort of boom. 
um, three guys. One of them is now a preacher. Really? Yeah, one of them converted into a preacher. Another one died. Uh, which one died? It was... Oh. Yeah, Mizell. Mizell was shot and killed at his recording studio in Queens. Wow. Um, absolutely. And it's unsolved. No one knows how he died. But then, yeah, one converted into a, um, a preacher and, and the other guy... Who is the other guy? Yeah, Daryl DMC McDaniels. Uh, I think he's still alive. But he's not, still alive. He's yeah. still wrestling, it looks like. Yeah, Joseph Simmons was a preacher. Daryl DMC McDaniels, what a badass name that is, um, is still a producer. Yeah, damn, that's a... Uh, I mean, I think they have been... Oh, yeah, produced for Notorious B.I.G. I think they have been forgotten a bit. Yeah, dude, they so, so many good songs there. Mm. So yeah, exactly. many good songs. Like, they've got a few that are classics that everyone knows, but, yeah. but most of their, you know, that like, at the time, for the... For the prevalence that they had in the culture in the eighties, yeah, they seem to have fallen off in terms of legacy. Like I think the Beastie Boys are much better known, and they are contemporaries. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, kind of. But like, what I like about Run DMC is that they do. You know how rap now, like a lot of rap now is sort of. I mean, it's hard to like generalize rap, now, but a lot of it's sort of trying to talk yourself up. Especially a lot of rap mm. at that time was talking about how good you were, and everyone hurrahs like someone like um, Eminem, who raps about how sort of shit his life is. But things like. Guys like N.W.A. came up and, like, said a lot of real shit. Yeah. Like, Run DMC. Like, that song, um, uh, It's Like That, is so real. Like, these, these guys are amazing poets and make some really intense live, um, live sort of real points mm. that are so pertinent. Um, and in this hip-hop sort of world, I think they're, they're so good. They have such a strong message out there that is so impressive. But uh, it's, it's really sad they um, have been a bit forgotten. But Chris and Hart from our DMC, great track. Great track, definitely. My final, or my second last track, second actually, last track. is uh, another hip-hop track uh, from Christmas on Death Row, yep. which was oh, an, album, album. an album put out by Death Row Records the yep. year that Dr. Dre left. Yeah. Um, this one is by Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg yeah. and it's called Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto yeah they had um, who's that guy that really dickhead guy that, uh, the guy who ran Death Row after Shugnut yeah Shugnut that's right he was an asshole yeah Shugnut was an asshole but he did he did like rule over uh, Death Row at their peak you know he was yeah. kind of like he did kind of get that going on yeah and killed Tupac yeah absolutely and some other guy. Yeah. And actually actually hit someone with a car recently and he's in prison. But yeah. um but yeah, no, uh, you know, great great hip hop songs. Hip hop Christmas songs are always fun. I would have put uh, I would have put Kanye West's Christmas in Harlem on yeah. this list, but it's not on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do recommend also checking that one out because that's you know, twenty ten My Beautiful Doctors of Fantasy Christmas in Harlem, which is about five, ten minutes away from Christmas in Hollis. So it's like, Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you can you can put one on and then drive to the yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my last track, we mentioned that we were going to check this in, Last Christmas by Wham. We've gone to the, the whitest Christmas song of all time. Exactly. We were dreaming cannot... of a white Christmas and we found it. <laughs> because, because Last Christmas by Wham is, is Anglo-Saxon territory. Oh, but it's, it pulls at the heartstrings, doesn't it? It, it really does. does. I it love is, it. It is such a good song. That's yeah. the thing. It's kind of like, as much as if I listen to it while for Christmas is you with the little like sleigh bell. Oh, that is a white like, Christmas Every time song. I hear that, I'm like, I'm like, you know, that's a bit too much. But yeah. Last Christmas is just a great 80s oh, pop song, you yeah. know? Dun, like, dun, 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 like, dude, George, George Michael is just... 
you know, such a talented dude. And, and Ariana Grande was... tried to sample it a couple of years ago, but just did not work. Didn't it? Oh, yeah. damn. Poor Ariana Grande, hey? Yeah. She'll just have to settle for being the highest earning, like, one of the highest earning female singers in the world. Really? Man, she makes so much money. Really? In, like, what about singers, though? Instead of female? Singers, oh, singers probably a lot less, but she's definitely one of the most pervasive female artists out there. That's true. Uh, she she didn't even that Manchester thing earlier in the year. Yeah. That's wow, that, people forgot about that fast, didn't they? Yeah, that didn't really... Uh, that happened in, like, March. Yeah, that, that, that happened not that long ago. Uh, it's interesting to think how quickly... Well, I mean, I think people forgot about it because more stuff has happened. Yeah, she's touring now, isn't she? Yeah. Well, she has been. She, her tour's finished now, I'm pretty sure. What about having increased security measures at her concerts now? Same with the Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah, I, well, I imagine that they... I imagine the Eagles of Death Metal probably wouldn't have. Nah, they came to Melbourne recently. Did they have a... Nah, they didn't have extra security. Yeah, anymore. that's what I mean. I mean, I, I think that was more like a... a Bataclan thing. You know, that was more like... Ta- that, that was more like targeting Paris, it feels. But the Ariana Grande concert was very aware of who the audience were. You know, it felt like it was very much a target. They were a target oh. based on their interests. Oh, that's horrible. Which is, yeah, which is terrifying. Yeah. Um, uh, isn't very in keeping with our Christmas joy message. But my last song, <laughs> my last song is, and interestingly, I'm going to throw your curveball here and say that my yeah. last song is uh, by John Mayer. Yeah. Ooh, and it's nice. called, uh, oops, I can't play it. Sorry. Well, yeah, we're going to get sued. John Mayer, John Mayer does sue people. Shit like that. Yeah, he, he would. Sue. He would. Uh, no, but my last song is called, uh, it's Curveball, it's called St. Patrick's Day. Oh. And it's one of my favourite Christmas songs, yeah. uh, despite the fact it is called St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's very much about Christmas and uh, being alone on Christmas, and it's like a heartfelt plea to someone to, uh, yeah, you know, to get it on. Uh, in, in a... Just come on, I'm saying it. But Just yeah, get it on. Yeah, let's get it on. Exactly. But um, yeah, it's from his first album, you know, 2001, like Your Body's yeah. a Wonderland era stuff. But it really is um, one of the few songs on which John Mayer really goes nuts, lets himself sing really hard. Because, you know, he is first and foremost a guitarist and secondly a singer. And especially on his early albums, his voice is nowhere near as good as it is now. Yeah. But yeah, he really lets loose on this. It sounds great. It's very Christmassy. It's uh, very original. It's just a great song that I listen to year round. This yeah. is a Christmas song that I listen to yeah. Nigh constantly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that says a lot, I think, about how it much said, I enjoy And this. if you can't, like, that's the same thing, like, How to Make Gravy. Like, even all those songs, I actually have listened to at one point this year when it hasn't been Christmas, so... The best Christmas songs... Yeah, I, I are, are tra- Yeah, transferable, you know? You can yeah. listen to them at any time. That's again. the real test of whether you're just... A, it's a Christmas gimmick or, like, a good song. Exactly. It just needs... Like it's, it's, like it's like the Lethal Weapon Die Hard thing, you know? Yeah, Great yeah, yeah. films... That occur oh, at Christmas. Christmas movies are a whole different ball game, aren't they? They are, but they're just. But those are just great films that occur at Christmas and have Christmas themes in them. Yeah, they're oh, not die hard. Con Air as well. Con Air, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, that was a big thing in the nineties, wasn't it? Epic action movies that occur around Christmas time. Yeah, Lethal is. Weapon, two, and four. <laughs> I think. Wait, and four? Lethal, and four? I haven't seen four. I think. I, I think. I Wait, Lethal three. Weapon four is the one with Jet Li. Yeah, that's not at Christmas time. Lethal Weapon two is. Time, yeah, that's it for my community, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I'm going to watch some 90s action movies. Yeah, exactly. I am down for that. And kind of the final question we should ask before we go to this episode is, what is your favourite Christmas carol? Oh, my favourite Christmas carol. That is a good question. Um, I would definitely say my all-time favourite Christmas carol, We Three Kings. Ooh, fair. Epic, epic Christmas carol. Changes from the minor to the major. Uh, great feel to it. 
and just great melody and a sick message. Just it's, like about three it's kings. It's not quite a Christmas carol, but, yeah. uh, but do you remember it? You remember at school when we were in choir together? Yeah, we sung. Don't talk about our choir dance. <laughs> <laughs> but we sung this song. We sung a version of the Lord's Prayer Ooh. in chamber. How did it go? Um, oh, and in the house of my Lord, I will live. I will live forever. I know, I the Lord it. is my shepherd, nothing shall I want. Oh yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, nothing shall I want. Yes, nothing shall I want. Yes, that yeah, was, that was gorgeous. I, that, that song That's legitimately beautiful. made me cry. Oh, and it was the only choir song that ever managed to do that. It had a really beautiful harmony. But my favorite Christmas song is probably is probably just going to be like uh, my favorite Christmas carol. Yeah, probably just going to be something like. Uh, Cure to the world. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. You know, it's a good, one of those yeah, classics with the really recognisable, easy melodies. When we were in Year 7, we had a Christmas concert with choir, and we had this boy soprano who got up and gave a solo in Year 7. Beautiful. You know, I really love that boy soprano voice. I mm. realise it's quite a pedophilic thing to say. Yeah. But I love boy sopranos. Like, that angelic sound mm. is just... Mm, and that you know that guy it was once in Royal David City. Yes, once I remember this. In Royal David City. Oh, stood alone in the... oh fuck me, I love that song. That is a great yeah. song. Yeah. Oh, when song. you hear yeah, when you hear that sung well by soprano, oh, makes you want to go back to the days and hear like a castrato sing. Yeah, you know yeah. there were recordings of it. You know the, really? the, the last uh, the last castrato has recordings on YouTube that you can look up. Wow, which is crazy to think that there was recording equipment that could record a, like his voice. Why wow, did those two things him? overlapped? Yeah, exactly. So no, I, I recommend you check that out. It's kind of scary, but uh, I recommend wow. you check it out. Yeah, the castratos would have been weird, weird as guys. It would have been. Anyway, I think. I think that's the end point for our Christmas episode. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're wishing you all the best for a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy all that jazz. Yeah. And if you're not celebrating Christmas, happy Hanukkah or happy non-denominational holiday day. Exactly. Just chill out. Just yeah. Kick, just, just chill out. Exactly. Just kick chuck your feet up. The, you know. Chuck on some old mansion and just enjoy the end of the year. I reckon that's a good plan as I've got. <laughs>